Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Man, good morning again, church. You know, it does uh, my heart good to look uh, back into the, the rear of our church and uh, see Dawn Trammell with us again this morning. Dawn's been uh, in rehab and just has been through, uh, been about six months of just uh, all kind of things. But she's a, a warrior and just uh, really uh, just touches my heart to see her. And, and it, it's a special day for her. Today's also her birthday. Um, so we never tell. Yeah, let's... Um, We'll never tell how many years, right? But we're, uh, we're, we're so grateful to see you and, and praying for you and just encouraged by all that God's doing uh, in the midst of uh, the Trammell family. And, and, and before we jump in, let's just pray together as we open up this morning. Father, we're grateful, Lord, for this day. God, God, we thank you for the day. Lord, a gift. Lord, our every breath is a gift from you, Father. And we're, we're grateful, Lord, for... Your love and your mercy, God, we thank you for your goodness in our life. And we, we pray, God, that as we open up your word today, God, as we continue to worship you, God, that we might, God, that we might be changed by your word, God, that we might receive, Lord, just the, the message that you would have for us in the power of your spirit today, God, and, and through your word, God, that you might transform us, God, from the inside out. Lord, we pray that if there's anyone here that has never experienced freedom from the bondage of sin. God, that today they would surrender their life to you. God, that in response to the drawing of your spirit, God, that they would repent of their sins and that they would believe and by faith the blood of Christ would be applied to their life, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We again, Lord, thank you for Dawn and for her birthday. And we ask you, Lord, to continue to bring healing and strength to her. And Lord, we just praise you for all that you're doing. Lord, we love you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking about this week and the gift of being able to take part in the Lord's Supper together. And uh, I was thinking about how God just has given us this beautiful gift to help us remember his sacrifice. The blood that was shed for me in my place. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about just how forgetful we can be, how much we need the reminder of that. I, I saw this article, uh, and there was this condition that um, at the time of the writing of this article, there were 55 individuals in the United States that had been diagnosed with this, content, this uh, condition. It's called hyperthymesia. And so it's an interesting condition. And in this condition, people remember... Uh, kind of just crazy details for extended periods of time. And some people might think, well, that's a gift maybe. And I could also see how maybe it wouldn't be such a great gift, right? This one lady who was one of those 55 describes how she can remember every single detail of driving to Target for groceries more than 10 years ago. Like she can just lean into that moment. She remembers what she wore and ate every single day for the last decade, I know, right? And I'm thinking, like, I don't even know where my keys are right now, you know? Like, she was, you know, she remembers if the fan was on in the bedroom on this date last year, 
You know, in the early service, I was, I was thinking about some of this and I was, and thankfully I, I found it, but like leading up to that, I had come in and I was given the, the little packet for communion, you know, and I'm going, what in the world? I'm frisking myself, you know, I'm like, what did I do? with that, right? And for those of you that can remember like what you do with things and all that, please understand we can't help it. Like people like me, we can't help it. And, and, and seriously, like I've got, I was hoping they were in my pocket still, but I've got these AirPods, right? And so I, I talk on the phone all the time. And so uh, I've gotten some of those and I had this habit of at least once a week, like going, maybe, maybe more often than that, but still pretty often of going, what in the world, where, where was I at when I took those out. And so then I, I bought this thing to stick on them, this air tag, right? And they made that for people like me. And used to be, I used this thing called a tile and you could set that off if you were close. And as long as you could hear it, you could kind of follow the noise, but now they've come a long way. And so I try to do this secretly where my wife and kids don't, don't laugh at me. And so you'll see me sometimes walking through the house like this. You'll see a little video of what it looks like. <laughs> this is such amazing technology. <laughs> yeah, it's like zeros in. Like I'm thanking Jesus for this in GPSs, right? Because I'm just so grateful, right? And, and, and these kind of things, for those of you that can remember everything, I'm so proud of you, right? I am, but it's just not me. And, uh, you know, this, this week, just to give you an example of how bad my memory is. Now, I can remember a lot of things I don't need to remember, and I can remember some things sometimes I want to remember. But this week, uh, we were in need of a, a $20 bill broken. Now, my wife was going to pay one of her friends for something, and she said, and it was our next stop, we were at Walmart, and she said, I need $10. Do you have $10? And I looked, and I had a 20 And so I said, well, what in the world will I do? I know. I'll go to Chick-fil-A, right? And so I, yeah, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking the best way to get $10 is to spend two on an ice cream cone, ice dream cone. That's what they're called. And so I'm excited about that. And I get in line, they're pretty busy. And so I'm waiting in line. And when I get up there, I order my ice dream cone. I'm so happy. I pay with my credit card and I keep trucking around. (laughs) I know, I know. Y'all are wondering why you're here. You're like, I don't know who this guy is, right? He's, how did he become the pastor? Only Jesus, right? I don't know. So, so this is kind of my life. And so we kind of cruise on through there, right? And we deal with all that. But, but the truth is in the busyness and distraction and all the things that happen in life, our mind can get focused on a bunch of things that don't matter. And we can forget the most important things. And today, we're going to look at a story in the book of Exodus. That's where we're at. We're in a series called Promised Land. And we're uh, just leaning into this promise that God had given Abraham uh, to give his people this land, right? And we find ourselves uh, with the uh, Israelites, with the children of Israel, right? They are in bondage. They have been uh, in this land 400 years, right? They're slaves. And they're in the midst of this crazy time. And we're going to see this event that God desired that his people would remember. An event though, and what we're going to see is that these events in the Old Testament, that they point and they paint a picture of something much greater. And so we're going to see this, uh, this event, right, that pointed to a time where Jesus, right, and the title of the message today is Christ, our Passover lamb, right, where he would be crucified in our place. So God, as we saw last week, is going to deliver his people. Fact is, he has this encounter with Moses and he tells Moses, he's like, I'm coming down and I'm going to deliver my people. 
And Moses is like, yes. And then he's like, and you go to Pharaoh. And he's like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I thought you were coming down to do this. He says, no, you go. And then there's all this, uh, this interaction that they have. And God agrees. He says, okay, uh, Aaron can go with you. Moses says, you know, my speech is no good. He says, well, he can talk for you. There's this interaction with his staff. Last week I had the staff up here. You know, he'd throw it down, becomes a snake, put his hand in his vest. You know, he's like, all these things are happening. These miracles are taking place. And, and Moses is sent out. He goes to Pharaoh and he says, Y'all can do this together. Let my, yeah, he goes to Pharaoh. He says that and Pharaoh's having none of it, right? In verse two of chapter five, we see uh, Pharaoh's response, right? And he says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? He says, I don't know the Lord. Now he knew a bunch of other gods that were of the Egyptians, right? And he knew all those things. And we're gonna see these plagues uh, that God sends. And each one of those plagues is in response. We don't have time to dig into all those pieces, but it's in response uh, to the gods of the Egyptians in uh, this time. And he says, I don't know the Lord. He said, I don't know that God. And he said, besides, I'm not letting them go, right? They're free labor, slave labor, right? That's what he had. Now, this is not the command to the, or the response to the command of the Lord and that you would desire. And Pharaoh just makes it rougher. Moses goes back and he's like, hey, why did you even send me? You just, like all that happened is it just got worse on God's people. But then in chapter six, God says, I remember the covenant that I made with Abraham. And he said, you're fixing to see what I'm going to do, right? And there's this picture of this judicial hardening of, of Pharaoh's heart that takes place. There's so many pieces that are in the midst of all this uh, story, right? But he says, I remember my promise. And he said, you go back and I'm going to show you what I'm going to do in Pharaoh's life. And I'm going to deliver my people. So he has Aaron with him, right? And, and he sit, tells Aaron to throw down his staff. He throws down his staff, becomes a snake, right? It's crazy stuff. But Pharaoh's magicians, those people, they are able to kind of replicate this. And what we see is that Aaron's staff eats up their uh, snakes. And so there's this kind of thing that's going on. And then God sends this series of 10 plagues. And they're the crazy things that are happening, like Pharaoh's wife got frogs in her bed. I'm pretty sure he was paying attention then. There's all kind of stuff right through this. And then this final plague, it lands in this culmination, right, of the death of the firstborn, right? And so this judgment that's going to take place, he's, uh, he's going to see this, this angel of death that would come and would take and kill the firstborn of every family, right? The firstborn of man and animal and, and every uh, living group there. We see this kind of command, this kind of picture that's going to take place and Unless, and here's where it gets interesting, unless they had sacrificed the lamb and had placed the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. I want to read some verses from uh, Exodus chapter 12. You can take your copy of God's word and turn there. We'll have those on the screen uh, as well. Uh, we'll read the first 13 verses and then um, maybe skip on down to verse 21 just for the sake of time. But let's open God's word. Uh, together. Scripture says this, now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. So there was significant things that were going to take place. Their calendar was going to change because of this event. And he said, it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying on the 10th of this month, they are to each one take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, and I can't hardly go by this without pause. And notice that 
It never said that there was a lamb that was too small for the household. I want you to notice that. But he said, if a household is too small for the lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest are to take one according to the numbers of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. And you are to divide the lamb. Your lamb, now notice the characteristics of this lamb. This is so important. He says, your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. So they're to take this lamb into their home. They're to uh, have their children around this lamb. They're to grow attached to this lamb, right? They're to keep this lamb. And then the whole assembly, the scripture says, of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh the same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner. With your loins girded, with sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Right there to be ready to leave, right? You're to eat this in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And then he says, Why? For I'm going through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Verse 13, he says, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Let's get down to verse 21. Scripture says this, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop. So that's just a plant. Um, you'll take this, this hyssop, almost like a paintbrush. And he said, you'll take this hyssop and dip it in the blood, which is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that's in the basin to the lentil in the, in the two doorposts. And none of you shall go outside the door of this house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which with, the Lord, with, with which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this right. And there, there's some intentionality that I think we can see in this that, that, that we can continue to, to remember in application today, right? And he said, and when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? So there was this intentionality that these families were going to observe this and they were going to do this. And there was an intentionality about what they were to teach their children. There was this intentionality of what they would pass on to the next generation. So when the children ask questions, when they ask about those things, verse 27, he said, you shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but spared our homes and the people bowed low and worshiped. And we know the story, right? It came about uh, midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne, right? To the firstborn uh, of the captives in the dungeon, to the firstborn uh, of the cattle. Uh, Pharaoh uh, rises up, right? All his servants. And he says, y'all get out of here, right? He calls for Moses and Aaron. And he says, uh, he says, you go and you worship the Lord as you have said. And then we know uh, later in this, right? That he comes after them and we see Pharaoh and his army behind them the Red Sea in front of them, right? We read of this deliverance. We see uh, the the Red Sea kind of swallowing them up, right? We see that kind of picture. But I want us to lean back into this story today. 
And I want us to, to look just and lean into this Passover and see what it tells us about Christ, our Passover lamb. And we're going to see some things in this story, right? We see God's provision of salvation. When we read this story, we see that there was a lamb that had to be sacrificed. As we read this passage, right, in verse 6 of chapter 12, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. And so to be delivered from this judgment, right? Judgment was not just falling on the Egyptians. Judgment was falling on that land. And, and the way, the only way, right, to escape judgment, the only way to be delivered from judgment required death. And that death, we see in this passage, could be the death of a substitute. This death that took place, there was an innocent one that could be sacrificed in their place. God delivers the Israelites through the death. And, and notice it was this unblemished lamb, right? So he delivers the Israelites through the death of this spotless lamb. Now in the scriptures we see and we know that blood represents life. And in this passage we see that there's a life that ends in place of ours. There's a life that ends in place of theirs. Now this is not new to the scripture at this point. And as we look at Genesis 3, as we kind of started this series, we leaned into the fall and we saw Adam and Eve, they're trying to deal with their sin, right? They disobey God and, and they take fig leaves, right? And, and it gives us this picture of how we try to do things religiously and we try to cover our sin, right? With things that we can do. And so they took fig leaves and they took these things and they tried to cover their nakedness. But what we read, right, is that the Lord gave them animal skins. And I, uh, the scripture doesn't implicitly say this, right? But I uh, like to think that it was lambs that were sacrificed even in those moments, right? And and in those moments, I think about Adam and Eve, and I think about just the, the, the way that would have worked. And it was probably one lamb for each of them, right? One lamb per person. And then we fast forward and we get to Genesis 12, and here we are, that there's this one lamb that is to be sacrificed per family. Later, and we'll see this as we continue down the storyline of Scripture later, uh, there's a time where there's this day of atonement, right, where Yom Kippur is taking place, and there is a sacrifice, one lamb for the nation. And all this points to the cross of Christ, right? The cross of Christ was not an afterthought. Right, we read in Genesis 3.15 of the promise of the one that would crush the head of the serpent. We read of uh, the, the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world, right? Before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13. A sinless, spotless lamb. One lamb for all the world. See, Jesus begins his earthly ministry, and we see him referred to throughout the scripture as the Lamb of God. And as he begins his earthly ministry, right, he comes down to the Jordan River, and his cousin John looks over, and as he sees him, right, they've been looking for the Messiah. They're looking for his deliverer, right? And John the Baptist sees him, and, and the scripture says, behold, and he, he looks, and he says, right there, right there, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. 1 Corinthians 5, Apostle Paul said, for Christ, our Passover has been 
sacrificed. We see God's provision of salvation. There was a lamb that must be sacrificed. We see God's process of salvation. The blood must be applied. Right? By faith for the Israelites. By faith they applied the blood of this lamb without blemish, right? That was sacrificed. They, they took uh, this hyssop and they applied the blood of this lamb to the doorposts and to the lintel. And this blood, the scripture said, was assigned to them. And when the Lord saw the blood, he passed over them. We read in the scriptures that the wages of sin is death. That sin is serious business, right? We see that from the very beginning in the the fall, right? We see that sin results in death, that it separates us from a holy God, that it destroys families, that it does all of these things, right? And, And for the world, there's so many things that we try to do and we're, we try to remove the stain of all kind of things. I don't know about you, but not only can I not remember stuff, but I can't eat salsa without getting it on me, right? And so we try to buy all these things. I looked in our laundry room this morning and I was amazed at how many things we had just in our laundry room to remove stain, right? We've got this stuff that's called Persil ProClean. I have no idea how good it is, but I think it's pretty good. It's called Intense Fresh. So if you smell me today, that's probably what it is. Um, Deep Clean, right? It, it gets rid of visible and invisible dirt. I'm pretty excited about that. And if you get some more stuff on you, you've got some Spray and Wash Max, and it's got some Oxy Action, removes dried in stains. If you get some other stuff that won't come off, we got some Goof Off. This is all on one shelf. We got some Armor All Cleaner. We've got those kind of things. We even got a stain stick. We even got a stain. This is how clumsy I am with all my food, right? It's not for the kids. It's for me. It's probably for me. And so when the kids fall in the mud, even maybe this is for them. Maybe the others are for me. That you can rub that in there, let it sit for a few hours, and it's it's amazing. You put it in water and it washes all those stains away, right? And, and we think about all those kind of things. But I want you to understand something today. And we've sung it many years, right? What can wash away my sin, right? It's none of this. And it's none of the things that are listed in this world. It's none of the things that the world will tell you. I want you to understand you can't be good enough. You can't uh, live good enough. You can't do anything on your own. Uh, you can't just uh, uh, do uh, anything, right? There's only one thing that takes away sin. There's only one thing that will deal that with that and it is the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9:22 says that without the shedding of blood that there's no remission of sins, right? There's only one thing that washes away sin and it's the blood of Jesus. But Satan, I want you to understand he wants to convince you that you can be good enough. He wants to convince you that surely uh, God wouldn't send anybody to hell. Surely a good God would never do anything like that. Satan wants to convince you of those kind of things. He would say, "You know what? You can uh, if you're good outweighs your bad then maybe that'll work out for you. Or if you do all these things, or there's these religions that would say, you know what, what Jesus did was good, but you're going to need to do some extra things. It's not just Jesus alone, but you're going to need to work and you're going to need to do all of these specific things. But I want you to understand something. Uh, that's not what we see in the scriptures. We, uh, we can try to work and earn our way. We can try to do all those things. But even in this passage, God didn't look to the Israelites and say, you need to go and do certain things uh, in, in a way to be good enough to escape judgment. He didn't say, when I see your good deeds and when I see how you've prayed, when I see how you've wept, when I see how you've walked through some of those things, I'll pass over you. That's not what he said. He said, when I see the blood, it wasn't their good plans. It wasn't their tears. It wasn't their works that saved them. It was the blood that saved them. And I want you to understand the world wants to say, you know what? This is an antiquated story. The world wants to say, you know what? Don't believe all that stuff that you don't need uh, the sacrifice. We look back at the cross and the world would say, you know what? I can't believe that you think somehow that the blood
blood that was shed on Calvary's cross uh, many years ago would be something that would save you from sin, that that you could do all these things. And, And the world would say, hey, there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. The world would say that there's all these other religions and there's all these other things. And if you'll just do some of these things or if you'll work, uh, you, you know, and you'll earn your way to do these things. The world says all kind of things. But what we see in the scriptures, Jesus said, there's only one way to the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, there's no way to the Father. There's no other way, right? There's no other name under heaven by where men must be saved. It is through the blood of Christ. And, and we want to understand, right? And we want to say, listen, don't believe the things of this world. It is the blood that covers our sin. Can you imagine in Goshen, that was where they lived. Can you imagine when all of a sudden these Israelites are sacrificing lambs and they've got their hyssop paintbrushes, right? And they're spreading those things on the doorposts and the people would look at them. I could imagine in those moments that they would look and say, look at the fools. What are they doing? What in the world are those slaves doing? They've lost their mind. We've driven them uh, completely mad. They've, they've lost everything. They're, they're, they're in uh, some kind of crazy uh, dynamic. But I want you to know that when the destroyer came, right, that things would have changed, right? And when we see those things in this world, don't let the world uh, continue convince you of anything less than the blood of Jesus that saves. Let the world go on mocking and saying what they want to say, but it is the precious blood of the Lamb of God that was slain in our place, and it is our only hope. It is our only refuge. It is the only way that our sin is covered. Our good deeds uh, mean nothing. We cannot do any of those things. None of those things make us right with God, and Satan wants us to get past the gospel. Listen, we never get over the gospel, right? Uh, Don't ever let the good news get to be old news in your life. We need every day to remember the grace and goodness of God in our lives. And we recognize that it's by faith alone, that it's by grace alone, that it's through Christ alone, on the cross alone, that there's an empty tomb alone, right? That it's the work of Christ alone that saves us. It is the work of Christ that makes it possible for us to be made right with a holy God. And the truth is that we're worse off than we think. You know, we come and we put on our best and we look a certain way when we come and we worship and we come into the house of God. As Linda shared in her video, she said, you know, we just need times where people are real. And when we look at the holiness and the cross and the goodness of God and his sacrifice for us, and we recognize how sinful and broken that we are, right? We, 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 we can't come and say, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. We say, you know what? I am sinful and deserve death, but Jesus died in my place, right? It took the death. Like you were so bad, right? So don't, don't get the mindset that says, you know what, I'm just almost there. Like what the scripture says is compared to the holiness of God that you were so bad that Jesus had to die. That it took a substitute that I was so broken and so sinful and so messed up that it took a substitute to die in my place. It lets me know that I'm worse off than I want to admit sometimes. But I'm more loved than I can ever imagine. And we need the gospel, right, every day to overcome sin. We, we need to understand, right, Scripture says in Galatians 5 that it was for freedom that Christ set us free, right? And we've been set free. Some of us walked in here today with, with a bondage of sin, right, in slavery, right, enslaved by the sin of this world. But I want you to understand something. If you're in Christ, Jesus has come and he has set us free, not so that we could do whatever we want, but so that we could do whatever he wants. See, we've been set free. Now, some of you say, shouldn't we have good works in our life? Yeah, it's evidence. It's evidence of what Jesus has done in your life. When you've experienced the grace of God and you've been saved, 
And you've been given the spirit of God that dwells in you. Yeah, James said faith without works is dead. As a result of the grace of God in our life and the spirit of God, the evidence of his taking up residence, right? The God of heaven lives within us, right? Yeah, we're going to, you're going to be able to see change. We're going to live different. See, we take salvation as a gift from God. We receive that. And then we begin to work because, really because we just can't help it, right? Because God is doing something in us. And in light of his grace, in light of his mercy, right? He, he desired that we wouldn't forget his sacrifice when we see the Passover. He desired that the Israelites would never forget what he had done for them, delivering them from Egypt, right? And he set this, this Passover up as a memorial. Every year, year after year, they would kill a lamb and they would remember. They would remember how God had delivered them. They would remember how a lamb had died. They would remember how blood was applied. And 1,500 years later, Jesus gathers with his disciples. He gathers them for the Passover meal and he gives us a picture. He gives us something beautiful in Luke 22. Beginning in verse 14, the scripture says this, When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Right? We see God's process of salvation. We see how uh, God has provided that. And then Jesus takes this moment, right? And he gives us a picture of salvation, right? He gives us God's picture of that. And in verse 19, it says, when he had taken some bread. So he takes these things that were part of this Passover meal. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you, right? And this for you. It's in your place, right? Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after that they had eaten. And he said, this cup, which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Thank God for the vicarious gift of Jesus Christ on the cross for my sin, on the cross for our sins, right? And in that upper room, as the apostles, right, as the disciples gathered for this Passover meal, the Lamb of God, the sinless, spotless Savior of the world, right, he reveals the mystery of salvation and he says, this right here, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And what Jesus was saying, it is my life. For years. See, that's the gospel, right? Jesus said, This is the new covenant in my blood. He said, It's my life for yours, right? And Jesus dying in the midst of Passover, right? It's no coincidence. It is the greatest object lesson that's ever been given. And we come today and we are reminded that there is only one thing through one person that can take care of our sin and give us access to the Father, the sacrificial substitutionary death of Jesus Christ in your place. See, the truth of the scripture says that God's holiness requires payment for sin. And in his grace, he makes the payment. He is the just, the spotless lamb, the one that never sinned, right? He is not only the just, but he is the justifier. And in our place, our substitute, God provided the lamb of God, his one and only son, without blemish for me. In light of all of my sin and all of my shame, the love of God was demonstrated on the cross of Christ. First Peter 1 says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, 
inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. The spotless lamb died in your place. And some of us may be here today and we are slaves, maybe not slaves to Pharaoh, but slaves to sin. We we're in bondage in the midst of that. And I, I just wonder, maybe there's someone here that God wants to set free today. That in the midst of the brokenness of this world, in the midst of sin, when you, I, wanna, I wonder if there's somebody here that would just say, you know what, I need to trust Jesus today. God is speaking to me today and I need to be saved. Right? I'm not asking you, have you ever uh, repeated a prayer after a, a preacher? I'm not asking you those kind of things. I'm asking you, has there ever been a time in your life where you've repented of your sin and by faith, right? By faith, they took that, that uh, hyssop and they spread that blood on the door. And by faith, we look to the cross. See, there's, there's no work that we're doing on our hand, but it's by faith that we look to the cross and we say, you know what? When Jesus died, somehow in ways that are bigger than my mind can understand, it counted for me. He died in my place. And I believe that the blood of Christ that was shed on that day is the only thing that can cover my sins, that forgiveness is only available in Christ. Have you received that forgiveness? That, have you trusted in Jesus? Just believing by faith has the blood of Christ been applied to your life. 2 Corinthians 5 said that he became sin who knew no sin, the spotless lamb of God, right? He had never sinned. The Bible tells us that God took all of our sin and all of our shame and they placed it on him on the cross. And he became sin who knew no sin. So not only that we would be forgiven of our sin and that our sins would be forgiven, that we'd be covered by the blood of Christ, that we would receive the righteousness of him, that we would be given his righteousness. We come today and we approach the Lord's table and you say, how, you know, if I'm not a member of this church, can I, uh, can I take communion? If I'm a guest here today, if you have been saved by the grace of God and the righteousness of Christ has been credited to your account by faith, you believed and trusted in the gospel. If you've done that, then you are welcome to come to this table. And the only way that we are worthy to come to this table is because of the shed blood of Christ. And so we're going to have a time that, that we're going to worship together. I'm going to invite the band uh, just to come. And I want to give us an opportunity before we take communion uh, to do business with God. It may be that you're here and you say, you know what? I know God is speaking to me. I've never repented of my sin and trusted Jesus for salvation. And today I look to the cross and I believe. I believe that when Jesus died on that cross, that it counted for me and I trust in him. I surrender my life to him. And if that's you, I wanna invite you to come to this altar. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love uh, to point you in the word of God. And, and, and listen, if God is speaking to you, you can pass from death to life, that you can trust you can look to the cross and you can live. You can believe. And by faith, when we believe, the blood of Christ is applied to our life. And positionally in that moment, and this is beautiful, it's what God does in our life when we believe and trust him as Lord and Savior. In that moment, positionally, when God looks at us, he sees us as Christ. Positionally, we are made right with God. And then practically for the rest of our life, the spirit of God dwells in us and is conforming us to the image of his son. And what's true of us positionally in that moment, when we believe and trust in the finished work of the cross, God is practically making true of us as he conforms us to his image. As we repent of our sin, there may be some of us today, uh, the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, 
11, he, he said, listen, when we come to the Lord's table, we should examine ourselves. We have a beautiful opportunity here before we approach the Lord's table. My mama used to say, hey, when you come to the table, go wash your hands and clean up because it's supper time. And we're going to come to the Lord's table. And we've got an opportunity as the people of God to look and say, you know what? I understand how serious sin is because it costs Jesus his life. Right? Jesus died because of it. And, and I understand the call that I have to walk in holiness and to be changed by the gospel, to live in that. And so we have an opportunity to examine ourselves and to confess and say, God, I, I know that I fell. I know these areas in my life and I, I want to ask for forgiveness. I want to repent of those things. And, and the scripture says, if we confess our sin, that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? And there's none of us good enough on our own, but through the blood of Christ and we have been made new. So we want to have an opportunity just to worship, just to thank God. We're going to, we're going to respond in worship. Then we're going to respond in communion. Um, but, but we want to just open uh, this time up just for us to do business with God. You can do that from your seat. There's something beautiful uh, about just uh, kneeling and surrender before God. Um, we'd love to pray with you. I'm going to pray. Father, we're grateful for the blessing of coming together and taking communion. God, we, we ask you, Father, to do something in our midst in these moments, Lord, that your spirit uh, would convict of sin, Lord, that for believers in this room, uh, God, that you, would, uh, that you would convict us of sin, God, places that we are holding dear to, places where you uh, have died to set us free, God, but we continue to hold in and, and, and just run back to those places, Father. I pray, God, that we might just lay those at your feet today, God. If there's someone here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that they would... Just believe today, God, that they would surrender their life to you. God, we pray, Lord, and trust this service in your hands. May you have your will and way in every life. In Jesus' name.